people aren't even tracking a lot of these larger scale capital items, which really can make a huge impact on your overall profit on the building. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm Jason J. Lou Lewis with my amazing co-host, Adam, AAA Adams. And today we're going to talk about making sure that you maintain the asset you have, that property that you already own or portfolio that you own and making sure that uh, there's not major damage to that, mitigating damage, making sure that there's the issues that do come up that you handle them correctly. Um, and the perfect person to do so is, is Scott Isaacson. And he owns a company that is called TCI Building Services that essentially helps properties uh, maintain and mitigate any costly damage. And he owns a handful of properties himself and he's out in the Bay area, which as most people know, is a very hot and in demand market currently and has been. So, um, it's going to be exciting to welcome Scott. So Scott, let's start off with taking us back to your first real estate transaction, whether that's for one of your properties you managed or one you own, where, where and kind of how did you get started in the real estate game? I would say the starting point of the real estate game would be when I transitioned out of technical theater, I'd been doing carpentry and electrics and realized that that was a glamour industry after getting my degree in theater. And I was living in a 90-unit apartment building in upstate New York and had a hole that sat in the ceiling of my studio for months with the landlord that lived in, on site. And I'd pester him when I paid rent and say, like, hey, can I get this fixed? Hey, can I get this fixed? Family's coming. Hey, I've got friends you know, from out of town coming. Finally, I said, like, hey, I'm leaving my job. I I'll, I can stay, but I need, a, I need to work as a maintenance person and I'll fix my ceiling because you don't have enough people, clearly. And so I started working maintenance in, uh, in that building and I realized like, hey, this is, I really like this. And I got interested in real estate, but I was kind of like a lot of people where I, I was interested, but I didn't really take any further action beyond you know, working maintenance in there for you know, quite a while. But, how many uh, how many unit property was the one that you started off maintaining the one you were living in essentially kind of that, a, you were you were doing a house hack in, in a way you know? so, well well this was a 90 unit property so okay. it was something that had converted from like i think it had originally been a brewery like in the like late or 1800s early 1900s super old property transitioned to being kind of a retirement residence and had the old trundle beds and then it got converted to an apartment building somewhere in its life and had tons of neglect and constant things to fight with there and you know i'd go and plunge broccoli out of somebody's uh bathtub after they had a a night partying and somehow i still wanted to to work in apartments Yeah, that was tw- twelve years ago or so. Is that is that right? Um, I that was in probably like two thousand three or so. I don't really count that so much in yeah. 
in my facility management experience. That was more just grunt, doing maintenance, fixing things. And it started my interest in apartments and real estate, but it, it's not so much the, the more asset management kind of yeah the and the foundational education on the facilities like i was fixing internal things you know windows and stuff like that but that was just job to job i'm guessing that experience was very helpful for you to transition because otherwise you wanted to know what might happen on a property after a saturday night party (laughs) and what might need to be uh cleaned up yeah certainly uh, the real foundational education in facilities ended up being with homeowner associations. And I worked with a large scale place that's right on the ocean. There's three buildings, 152 units, a parking garage there. And the HOA, unlike an apartment owner, the HOA only maintains the common area, the outside parts of the building or the spaces between condos. So I wasn't having to chase down toilets or, you know, fix loose door handles. I was worried about water getting into the structure or uh, when there's a leak that flooded four properties in a stack or four, four to eight condos in a stack. Like I was dealing with a much larger scale problems and really got the vision of, of how to take care of a, a property overall because of, focused on being focused on that envelope of the property. We had a a lot of here in Denver and across the U S as well. We've had a lot of townhome development happening because of the condo construction defect law where you can't build the the condos and because of all the litigation. So they build Mm -hmm. townhomes and then they do there's, there's party walls. So those 12 or 18 owners get together and, and hire someone you know like yourself just to maintain the exterior and the driveway and uh landscaping per se because then they own and maintain their individual units so you're seeing right. a lot of those types of management platforms popping up uh, across the US because of the construction defects so what what was the next step that led you to this day the TCI building services i think is what the company yeah, is called now yeah so i i've worked with the HOAs and got wonderful experience i did that for about 8 years went to take care of apartment buildings and i saw the same things happening with individual owners as the HOAs now, in an HOA, the board is required every certain number of years to have a, a comprehensive reserve study. And a company comes in and basically does a capital uh, breakdown of everything that the HOA owns and gives them like you've got four years left on your pool. It's going to cost on the pool coating is going to cost you, you know, $8,000 to recode it. And they break everything down so that the HOA has guidance on what to do with their dues. Now, it doesn't give them any further guidance beyond that. But seeing apartment owners, uh, I was coming to people and saying like, hey, there's been water leaking through this. We found that the the framing's rotted out under this threshold. Like you're going to need to spend $12,000 to rip you know, the siding off, stabilize, uh, reinforce the the structure and put everything back. And people are like, ah, and then they they weren't excited about spending money. (laughs) No, no. And, and they, they weren't so excited about spending what they do to, 
you know, to uh, upgrade a unit, like go from, from tile to granite and put in new windows and stuff like that on siting, which with, and structure, which has no impact on the rents, except that you get to keep collecting them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that coupled with property owners would get a questionnaire from their insurance company saying like, how old's the roof? And they'd send it to me. And I've been working for the management company for maybe two years at that point. And they're like, well, how old's my roof? And I'm like, I don't know you. I don't own the building. Like, how old? you've owned it for 20 years. How old is your roof? So uh, people aren't even tracking a lot of these larger scale capital items, which really can make a huge impact on your overall profit on the building. And just seeing this repeatedly, I was like, this is an area that is completely neglected. It's an area that I've, I really understand now, like this is a service that, that apartment owners need. And it's something that I can come in, add value that, that gives them additional value on beyond just the, the fee that I'd charge for the service. So what are three, three to five, tips or main items that you see that people defer and that it costs them more in the long run than if they were to uh, get maybe creative and figure out ways to mitigate those issues in advance, spend a dollar now to save $2 down the road. Roofing is huge. A lot of people wait until it starts leaking and then you face or there's a hail claim or something to try to get it for free or something. Well, yeah. The, if you're in an area that gets hail, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but, but when you start, when something like the roof's deferred, you start it, damaging the framing below it. And now you're fixing framing on top of roofing your, possibly giving rent credits if the leaks on top of someone's bed and they they can't stay in their place it all of those costs you know build up on top of still replacing the roof so roof painting or if you're dealing with brick the point tuck uh on the the mortar like basically things keeping water out of the building and then tracking some of the life of like water heaters when you're in a point where failure is going to impact uh, impact the unit. So, what what's kind of the average life uh, cycle of of a roof and of some of those items such as the hot water and HVAC and things? And I what do you come in and recommend? And and if they say it's three to five years or 10 to 12, I think dishwashers have a 10 year, they say it's seven to 10 year life expectancy, maybe even less five to seven. Um, Do you, do you recommend to your owners and clients to replace it at that time? Like you've hit it or is it um, once everything is hit that, do you just keep an eye out? Like how do you mitigate those issues and is it better to replace them all in advance and do it all at once and get the pricing and have the cheaper labor and processes or is it one off along the way it it really depends on the the setup of the property like a dishwasher a dishwasher you can pretty much run to failure and you're not going to have any impact on the unit that that's going to be a catastrophic loss or anything like that 
like there you have a chance of someone having some dishwasher leaking but that's really rare you're going to have something that fails that that really causes a costly loss so replacing something like that at 10 year point just because it's time to replace it ends up adding costs that, that really don't need to be taken but if you've got uh a lot of our properties are older properties and they've got these nice hardwood floors and individual water heaters and you have a water heater in a kitchen and this old nice hardwood floor there and you run that to failure and you flood that flood that floor you you can't bring that floor back to what it was you can you can fix some things and dry it out and and fix boards and maybe stain it a little darker if you if you get issues but something like that when you you have to identify your equipment figure out if it's going to have an impact. Is it going to flood someone down below? Then that $1,200 or $1,400 to replace an individual water heater is nothing compared. You're going to spend that fixing sheetrock and uh, drying out the person below if it floods, if not more. So it ends up being kind of case by case, depending on what the building is, because all, all buildings are fairly unique. So water heaters go 10 to 10 to 15 years. I see stuff typically having problems around the 12 year mark and identifying that your water heaters at that point can help you make the decision. Am I going to put in parts and repair this now, or am I going to just change it out because the, the tanks at the end of its life anyway. So do you you see most of the time it's best to just go ahead and replace it because of rust and overall maintenance, or is it sometimes better to, to go ahead and put in some new parts and just have, have the, have it ready to go. I guess you could say. I, on commercial water heaters, unless it's like clearly showing tank failure, I would, fix that and keep it going. You can, it's a lot easier to do maintenance service where people flush the tank and keep those in operation longer. But individual water heaters, it ends up, you have a maintenance call, you start trying to put parts on something that you really can't gauge how much, how the tank's faring. It, it ends up being that you're going to put three, $400 into a a $1,200 water heater replacement, it it just doesn't add up to trying to ex- squeeze more life out of a water heater that could flood an apartment a couple years down the road. Speaking of flooding, there's a lot of companies out there now that are offering te- technological devices that help mitigate these major damage items, such as water or roof failure windows and and different things do you see that those are beneficial to helping mitigate any of the water issues that you have on a on a broken water heater or a roof leak or basement flood well um i think that a device that helps catch uh overflowing like on toilets and in certain areas you've that's definitely something that that can be a benefit to a property owner i have i don't have enough experience seeing what these devices are if it's something on a roof or a uh, a window how that 
works and what the what the price is is it ends up it ends up being kind of a benefit cost benefit balance so windows seldom are going to be something that just floods an apartment like you're not going to put some device to try and catch a window issue now a roof you can pretty much track the age of a roof like you don't really need certain technology up there watching out for it a uh, flat roof lasts about 20 years. Typically, unless you have a storm come in that does a lot of damage or a, a branch fall through a roof, the materials are going to last its life. So you, you can expect 20 years on your flat roof. At about 15 years on any roof system, you should have a roofer go up there, check it, check the seals around vent pipes and stuff like that. That's the first point you're going to see water coming into your properties is around around those points. So those those items, the sealants and caulkings, end up failing first, getting brittle. A roofer will go up there, do an inspection, catch things that are that are maybe aging quicker or wearing quicker because of the environment that it's in. And then they've done an they've caught those items and have you in a much better position to preserve everything under the roof. And then you just if it's shingles, you've got about 25 years, 25 to 30 years, depending on the kind of shingles. But working with a roofer that's gone in at the 15-year mark and check things out, you are in a much better shape to gauge as you reach the end point of the roof and catch those things before it becomes, you know, several thousand dollars in framing on top of still replacing the same roof you'd replace when it fails. Scott, as we get ready for the final five, I have just a couple clarifying questions on where we, what we've discussed so far. So as far as roofing, just one quick question. You talked a little bit about how the flat roofs are going to take around 20 years and the shingles might take 30, depending on the shingle. One of the questions that I have is that uh, in a lot of the educational platforms out there, the uh, the mentors these days are saying, you know, never buy a flat roof altogether. What is the other issues that a flat roof can have? Uh, flat roofs have a lot of issues draining water off the property. So any any kind of roofing system you want that being cleared of debris annually to keep water buildup. But flat roofs, the framing and stuff like that will start to uh, uh, sag and it won't shed water the way it's supposed to. Uh, pay attention to where the water exits. Some properties, there's one exit point and whoever's underneath that point, you know, I've seen a flat roof leak in four different places, not really so much because of age, but all the water goes to that point and water just finds its way in any vulnerable, vulnerable place. If you have a flat roof, is there anything that you can do to prevent those things? The roofers, the roofers have great material out there. There's now even newer products. that's like a sort of a, not exactly an epoxy, but uh, I guess it is kind of an epoxy. There's some new coating products for, flat roofs that can give you 10 years for it. And they go through, clean up the roof, uh, patch things up, and then apply this coating. It's almost like re-roofing it without re-roofing it. So it's not so scary, but you need to be aware that it's there and 
take steps to manage that part of the asset. And then you talked a little bit about painting and then you talked about tuck pointing for the brick. And it made me have a question on um, people that are going out there and actually painting the brick. Uh, just because you set them r- next to each other. I've, I've heard that, that once you paint the brick, it like makes it harder to maintain. Uh, have you seen or heard anything like that? I haven't dealt with a lot of painted brick. So, you know, as long as you're keeping that exterior shell, whatever it is you've got protecting the outside, as long as you're maintaining it and keeping the water from getting past it, you know, there's going to be different struggles, but uh, forgetting about it and like throwing some paint on it and just saying, I painted it, I'll, I'll check it in 10 years is, is really not the way to go. But uh, that first outer layer is your building's main defense. So whatever it is, keep an eye on it and look for points where it's, you're starting to see failure and you'll be okay. You had some really good advice around water heaters. And um, so I took, I took good notes on what you were talking about for that. And it made me think about some of the larger properties that are using boilers and chillers, uh, not, just, uh, not just normal old HVAC, but these larger, um, mm-hmm. these larger items. What advice do you have if you have a boiler or a chiller? What do those look like? How lo- often do you have to replace them? What might it cost if you replace them? What, um, it, just like you said with the um, water heater, you said you might not want to put like 300 bucks to just kind of keep it going for another couple of years because it's really at the end of its life. Is there anything like that with boilers and chillers? Well, with boilers and chillers, you need to have regular maintenance on those things. Uh, Boilers are a pretty complex system that's somewhat dangerous to work with. You're, you're, if you're, talking about the steam heat type boilers or you've got you've got a bigger unit there uh, those things are supplying the water that's necessary for all of your residents so having someone go through there that's specialized in that area and and taking care of the equipment regularly is going to extend the life and they're going to see the items that are starting to become an issue and the systems vary so much that you can't just put exactly a standard lifespan on it. Like high efficiency water heaters run really well for, for a while, but then at a certain point they just go out. <laughs> so working Are there with, go ahead. I was gonna say just working with someone that's specialized in the equipment, realizing what equipment you have so that it can be you make sure you've got a maintenance plan in place for it is the most important point and then you'll you'll be able to focus on your specific the equipment specific to your building and the last question that i had in mind wanted to just talk about if you're a property manager or an asset manager you're listening to um the show or you're about to be an asset manager you're thinking about um, buying a larger property, you know, six units, 20 units, 100 units, 200 units. I know you said earlier that you're managing something that was something like 
360 units, I think it was. But if, if that's what we're doing or if that's our goal, what are the other considerations that we haven't yet talked about when it comes to building up keep and long-term planning? So you want to establish relationships. This is, you know, we hear a lot that real estate's a relationship uh, business. And a lot of times that's on the people are talking about that on the buy and sell side, but your property manager, your maintenance people, you want to work with the same people. You want a kind of dedicated heating person you go to because when you've got a resident, it's cold and it's December. You want that person that says, Hey, uh, Adam, I I just heard, you know, I just got your voicemail. I'll be out there. I know it's Saturday and I've got these other, I'll have this other person wait because you are that person that they go to regularly. I see people try and save money by getting, you know, multiple bids and going with the lowest each time. And you, you lose that relationship and that responsiveness to someone that, that can know your property. So build those relationships and, and, rely on them. Excellent advice. I really appreciate that. And I'm really excited to get into the final five with you. Okay. Um, We're going to do that, but we'll take a quick break real quick and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Adam Adams. And I want to take a second to say thank you to one of our sponsors. Now, if you've tried to earn a full-time income flipping houses the traditional way, you know, it takes a lot of money. Putting 10 or 20% down on each house adds up fast. Plus you could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars if you get caught holding a few houses when the market crashes. Well, what if I told you that there was a better way to flip houses, a way that didn't require much upfront capital, a way that made it easy to find more fix and flip deals than you could even handle, and best of all, a way that insulated you from losing all your money in a market crash? Well, I'm here to tell you that there is a simple way to quit your job and flip houses full time. It's called Fix and List Deal. Eric Young used the strategy to quit his job, double his income, and become a self-made house flipper in less than a year. Eric's a real estate investor located in Denver, and he's perfected the fix and list strategy over the last four years, and he's got a free giveaway. Learn how you can implement the fix and list strategy by watching Eric's free video lessons at fixandlistsecrets.com. It may just change your life. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Uh, We have Scott as our guest today, and we're going to jump right into the first of our five final questions, which is, Scott, what's the most creative real estate deal you've done or you've come across in your real estate career? I would say the first one that I did, I had to be fairly creative. I was in the process of purchasing. There were two vacant units in an eightplex and the income was just a little below the, the debt coverage ratio that the bank wanted after and I only found that out when we were set to close and I had to scramble and pull all kinds of strings to, to get a hard money loan with basically what banks considered no experience because I didn't own any investments before and just pushed through, scrambled, got that, and then flipped into that loan with a bank within two and a half months of acquiring the property so that was that was uh, <laughs> intense and and uh, you know yeah, when, when you're feet. signing on the line, you have to get as creative as you possibly can when it's when it's your neck yeah. uh, on the line. So um, yeah. yeah, what's favorite book? What's what's a book you highlight to others maybe getting into real estate? 
I, I have two that I really like, <laughs> if that's okay. Uh, real estate-wise, I like The Emerging Real Estate Markets by Dave Lindell. Uh, that gave, that's got a lot of great stuff in it. And then The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone, that gave me what I needed to push through that first deal. Where do you see the real estate market in five years? And where do ultimately you see yourself at that point? Uh, I see apartments continuing to be where everybody's finding housing. We're, we're going to be going through these economic shifts that we're in right now with, with COVID. And there's going to be more people that are going to have trouble uh, getting into houses. And you know, people like the mobility of apartments. So I think apartments are going to continue to go strong and it's going to just, we'll probably have had some weaker operators that haven't been able to survive this, but it'll still be, uh, still be the direction that the country's in. Where do you see yourself in, at that point? Uh, for myself, I see my, uh, my building services, into uh, business expanded with some employees and uh, really helping make this uh, a part of the what apartment owners rely on. Great. What's, what's your favorite way that you add value to others in the real estate community? In the real estate community, I'm, I'm regularly networking. I keep an eye out for what somebody's, in the need for if somebody's like, Oh, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for a duplex. I kind of put them in touch with the real estate agent that I know that helps people kind of do the house hacking type thing. Somebody's having issues with loan. I've got lenders that I know. So I'm looking less for exactly my connection, but just connecting people that I run into to other people that they need. It's definitely a, uh, very helpful value add is using your network to help others grow theirs. So very valuable. And then what's the one easiest and best way for people to reach out to you if they want to learn a little bit more or make a one-on-one -on -one connection with you? Uh, email me scott at TCI building services, S on the end of service.com. Awesome. Scott, it has been a pleasure. Jason and I loved having you on the show. Today, you added a lot of value talking about your experience with the 100 properties that you're the maintenance uh, executive over, uh, 700 plus units, and everything that you've learned in the process, talking about a few of the issues that you see a lot of people make, uh, which is roofing. A huge one. You talked about all sorts of information that can help us with within roofing. We, you talked about painting, talked about the brick, uh, just tuck pointing and, and everything else. Talked about HVAC and all the different things that you can do, especially with um, having the water heater leaking onto your nice <laughs> oak floors and perhaps yes. down into the next unit. And what it would take is only 1200 bucks or 300 bucks to fix that so that you don't have to spend $10,000 on <laughs> a whole bunch of painting and, and sheetrock and everything else like that. All very, very valuable stuff. Your most creative deal talking about how you were able to, um, you got into this deal where there was, uh, there was a, a DSCR that was not going to be appropriate, how you fixed that and overcame it. Talked about those two books 
the apartments at the, or continue to go strong in the next five years is your prediction. prediction. Uh, my favorite part was when you were talking about um, where you're going to be in five years because you really came from a place of value. You just said, where I'm going to be in five years, I hope I'm helping more people. And then when we talked about how you give back, how you add value to others is connecting them. You're, you are a connector and that's important to see other people that are connecting. I loved talking a little bit about how you said that this was a relationship business when we were discussing other um, aspects that we wanted to look into. Got a lot of value out of today. Jason and I are going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. This is Jason J. Lou Lewis, co-host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I want to say it's an absolute honor to have you as a listener, and we thank you for tuning in today. We also want to thank our sponsor, FixAndListSecrets.com. They have that great free video lesson, and in that video lesson, you will learn to never struggle to find or fund your next fix and flip deal again. Learn how to flip houses without ever taking out a mortgage or a hard money loan. You can now flip houses full-time and not have the risk of losing money in a real estate market crash. There's a simple way to flip houses full-time, and this is it. Visit FixAndListSecrets.com. See you on the next episode.